Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. I, I started, I always wanted to write, and I started uh, working on uh, short stories in graduate school, um, and I wrote a, my first novel in graduate school, um, and the week after I graduated, I moved back to New York. I was sitting at a coffee shop, and I spilled water on my computer, and I lost the whole thing. <gasps> oh, oh, my gosh. So, the <laughs> 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 all the three years of work down the drain. Oh, my gosh. Um, and actually, though, you know, silver linings, but it... Uh, I had to, I thought I was going to be, you know, selling that novel, and I ended up taking a job as a journalist working for um, a variety of magazines and newspapers such as uh, ESPN, Glamour, Self, and um, it really taught me a lot, and I think my first novel was better for it um, in, in the second incarnation, which um, only had five, I had the first chapter saved um, as a hard copy, so that's oh. all that lasted oh from one to the other. That's incredible. And Robin, what about you, Lady of Many? Um, <laughs> Lady of Many. I don't know. I've always written. I've always wanted to tell stories, and so I've always had huge interest in writing and acting, and I've kind of done them both. Um, and my parents have kind of steered me away from acting <laughs> and writing I could do for fun. <laughs> so I wrote my first novel when I was 14 years old by hand. It's Whoa. still in my garage. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I went to Yale and on the car drive up, my dad said, don't think we're sending you to Yale to study drama. So I majored in psychology and then I came out and was like, okay, now I'm ready to be an actor. And they said, oh, what about law school? So um so I, I kind of made a deal with them that I would, I would study acting if I'd go to law school at the same time. And so I kind of did both, but I never stopped writing, but just for myself. Like, it was kind of what I did to get away and to calm down, like, and to just kind of be free. And so I, um, I spent six years working on a book prior to this one that did not sell. And when I had the idea of... I then had two years of complete like shutting down, like not being able to do anything at all. And then when I had the idea for this book, I was kind of, um, I was very intent on getting it out as quickly as possible because I didn't want to give away another six years of my life and not be able to sell it and get it out there. And so um, I wrote the idea of you in about a year and a half and sold it, and, and here I am. Awesome. I and I've also just come from a set. I don't usually, this is not my hair. <laughs> and I don't usually have all this makeup on. You look gorgeous. Thank you. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing Scrooge in a BET Christmas movie. Oh, fun. Yeah. fun. And, that, and that is the, that's the Scrooge makeup that's, and hair they gave yes, you? Yes, it is. I, yeah, that's wow. <laughs> Wait, we're really coming up. If this is what they're doing for women as the Scrooge. I know. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And Gretchen, tell us about your writing journey. How did you get started writing? Well, I'm like so embarrassed to be sitting next to these two. I went to Yale. I'm like, oh, so fancy. I married Danny Bonaduce, and <laughs> it was an adventure, and I thought I would write about it. And uh, so I never really, I'm a producer. Like, I love producing TV shows, but I never really thought about writing a book. And then I would tell stories to people, and they're like, oh, my God, you should write a book. And so... I go, okay, I think I will. And so then I interviewed people because I didn't think I could do it. I tried to meet people, talk to them, and see if maybe they could ghostwrite for me. And then they would write a chapter, send it to me, and I'd go, this doesn't sound like me at all. You're British. I sound British in this yeah, story. So, and then it turns out I'm super greedy. And so when I thought about, I'm going to have to give them 50%, I'm like, right. no, I'm going to sit down and write this book myself. And so that's kind of how I came about it. I just thought I have stories people can relate to, and I'm going to try to write it the best I can. They'll be editors, so they'll make sure I don't look stupid or, you know, less stupid anyway. And so that's kind of how I went about it. Awesome. And now I want to dig deeper into each of your manuscripts. So tell us about Hello Sunshine. 
When you first started working on this project, did you know what it was going to be in the end? Did you have an idea? Or where did you start in your process? Um, for, for me with Hello Sunshine, I was really interested in, oh sure, I'm sorry. Um, I was really interested in the idea of um, how social media and sort of living our life uh, online while we're supposed to be experiencing it, what kind of, um, what the result was of uh, that sort of disjunct and how we could possibly live an authentic life if at the same time we're trying to capture it in a certain, in a certain light. Um, and so I was, I was spending some time thinking about that and then I was um, reading about, um, I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago there was the Sony hack um, here where um, uh, so many of the top executives at Sony had their uh, emails hacked and some pretty awful things came out and I started to think about whose life if put under a microscope with all the technology would look would look okay on the other end. So nobody, I nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I created a character to sort of take a look at that, and I sh made her kind of a minor uh, food celebrity um, whose entire uh, livelihood is dependent on the her presentation on Instagram and Twitter, and um, and she presents as. Um, you, you can imagine like Ina Garden, you know, sort of if she had a YouTube show instead of, and um, her recipes and her, her perfect life, and um, it's revealed to all be, someone hacks her, and it's revealed to all be a sham. Um, her, she's having an affair, the recipes aren't hers, nothing in her life is true. And so I wanted to take a look at how do you step back into who you were before you decided you needed to be who you thought the world wanted you to be. And so it's sort of a story of, uh, of redemption in that way. And then ironically, I'm now writing the script for it um, with my husband, and the person who bought it is Amy Pascal, who was the person who was hacked <laughs> for Sony. So I thought that that was sort of great Ironic. that she's willing yeah. to do yes. that. Yeah. yeah. You know, the one thing I noticed about your book is I, I felt like it was really a story about authenticity mm -hmm. and about being vulnerable and being comfortable sharing mm -hmm. the authentic you. Mm -hmm. You know, was that kind of the, the direction you were going as well? I mean, I, I felt like, you know, you that was the underlying core. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that um, something, you know, I, I with, with, with each of my books, I like to do a lot of research. And mm -hmm. for this novel, I spoke to um, several bloggers, you know, um, and influencers who have, you know, couple hundred thousand followers up to a couple million followers and what is involved in their day. And I also spoke to psychologists mm -hmm. about um, what happens when all of your validation is coming from outside and how that messes with your ability to understand what it is that's going to make you happy and how to be authentic. You lose the desire and even understanding of how to be vulnerable. It's a great word that you use um, because everything is about looking invulnerable. Um, and so I really did want to sort of peel back what happens when you have no choice but reactivating your vulnerable, vulnerable self. And it's not um, a pretty journey for her, um, you know, um, and she's not a pretty person, uh, particularly at the, at first, certainly at the beginning. But I wanted to sort of make that uh, leap into, okay, if you're going to go back to who you actually are, the costs of that, but more importantly, the rewards of it. And this is about women in media tonight, and mm -hmm. that's a really big thing that I find that we as women in the media, we're always kind of dancing with how much do we share? Mm -hmm. You know, can, can you all agree? Like that's something that's part of the journey is always trying to figure out like how much are you really putting out there of yourself? Or do you feel like you just put it all out there? I do. You I do? mean, I just feel like the truth, yeah. you know, because that's when you get hurt, when you're lying and you're presenting mm -hmm. something that's not true. That's when you really can have a lot of damage. But if you are truthful about yourself, I mean, that's what I used to call Danny, bulletproof man. My ex-husband was Danny Bonaducci, who's a very famous sex child star. He was very open about all of his issues. And I would say, you should just run for office because <laughs> you just put all of your warts out there. And no one can hurt you because you out yourself about every bad thing you've done before anyone else can do it. And I think that's um, just true. You know, if you're honest about your existence, then people can't hurt you. You know, it's when you're trying to portray something that's not true, you know. And I think in my marriage, for instance, 
my ex-husband had a radio show and he was out there every day going, I love my wife, I love my wife. And then finding out all the things he was doing behind my back that was damaging for him because people believed him, you know? And I feel like when you're honest about your life and your existence, people can't hurt you, you know? It's right. when you're not telling the truth that right. people are gonna come out of nowhere and expose you and then that's when you are vulnerable to having bad things happen. I kind of, I, I, I totally get that, but I also feel like I try to reserve a little bit of me for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm much more open in Facebook, let's say, than Twitter and Instagram where, it, where anyone can follow me. F Facebook is really pretty much people that I know. <laughs> um, and so I'm more likely to share how I'm really feeling, what I feel about politics or pictures of my kids, things like that. I'm, I do less so on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and it's not that I want to kind of hide parts of myself, but I don't, I don't feel like, the, I don't feel it necessary to get every bit of myself out there. And part of me, I think, also kind of protects me as an actor and a writer, so you don't know what to expect from me, and you don't know what, where I'm coming from. And there's so much of my brand that I'm happy sharing, but then part of me just kind of wants to keep, you know, the special things to, for me. I don't care. I just share everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just the truth. I'm sorry. I, I just put everything out there because I just, I'm just that kind of person, yeah. you know, like I have nothing to hide. There's not, you're not going to find naked pictures of me anywhere. <laughs> you're not going to find me arrested somewhere in a jail. I just have tried to live a really honest and good life and to be kind to people and to be nice and to try to help people. And that's what I do. So I'm not worried. Like there's nothing out there that anyone could ever say. So I don't worry about it. You know, I think that if I, you know, had something that could potentially damage me, I'd be more worried, right. but there just isn't. And, and I just tell everything. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not good at being a narcissist. Like, I'm not a person that can post 20 times a day, right. which is why I'm very low social media, because I'm not every day going, look at me eating my food. Oh, here <laughs> I am driving down the street. You know, like, I, I, I'm not good at that. Like, I, I can't do those kind of things. But when I do say things, I, kind of put it all out there. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I, I'm terrible. Ter but, but, but I've been like listening to you. I'm like, I'm, if you would take over my social media, my publisher would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like horrible. I like post like twice a year. So. I have, literally. I mean, like if, I think and, um, uh, I posted um, like my Instagram. I've had maybe 50 posts ever. Like um, they were all from like three years ago when um, my last novel, 800 Capes, came out, and then I have like five pictures of nothing from this time. Like I'm, wow. I'm awful at it, and I think I'm all. I think I'm a. You know, I come. My parents were very private, and writing fiction, I feel like I'm so. I love it. If you, that ironically, because it's not true, but it feels so honest to me, and I feel like yeah. that's where I'm putting everything. And I'm so bad at social, and I love social media. Like I love reading other people's social media. Mm -hmm. What you're talking about, about being authentic, I can sense when someone's being authentic yeah. and I want to read it. I'm just not good at it. I'm yeah. like, here's a picture of the, the back of my son's head because I don't want to post it. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, exactly. I want to look at the back of my son's head. I love him, I don't want to look at that. So, <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm not great at it. So. Well, and I also try to be interested in the people that are interested in me. Right. Like I really try to interact with anyone that writes me privately because I just feel like that's really selfish if you're just like, love me, love me, like myself, but you can't go, hey, that's a nice picture of you, or that food looks yummy, or whatever, you know? Like, I really try to interact and be fair, because I don't want to be a person that's right. just sucking up, look at me, look, look at, me. at me. Like, I only have 3,000 people anyway, or, well, if you combine it, probably 10. What do you have, like, a million? Um, <laughs> no, I think I have, like, 45 or 44,000 on Instagram, Ew. and, like, 27 on Twitter, <laughs> and maybe close to two on Facebook. Yeah. But I've, I've made friends with a lot of my fans. Um, especially my readers, because it feels, you feel, when you, when you expose yourself like that, you feel very naked and very vulnerable. And when someone comes and tells you that what you've done has touched them in a very special way, it, it means something. It's like this exchange that you have. And, and so I've, I've got a private Facebook group for fans of The Idea of You, and I, I get to know people. I've gone to enough signings, and I've, 
I've hung out and gone to drinks and like dinners and I I like my readers. I feel like yeah. <laughs> I like yeah, they so, like yeah. me. So, yeah. And so I mean yeah. and I and they're all around the world. I have readers in New Zealand and Australia and England and Scotland. It's just kind of amazing. It's I feel like the best gift this book has brought for me is is friends around the world and feeling like I'm connecting with these women, predominantly women around the world and like it's really kind of lovely, and I think if you don't do mm-hmm. social media, you don't you don't realize you have you yeah. can do that. So that is actually I was going to say I think that one of the best things about social media, and the one thing I do do is anyone that writes to me, you I write back to, but I write yeah. back like privately. Right. Like right. like the other day, someone on Twitter like sent me something, and I like sent back. I don't even know how to work Twitter very well. So like, I, like, <laughs> I'm like, why don't you email me at this number? And they like they're like, um, you're not really supposed to put your email <laughs> like, on, Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, but you might want to take that. Down. But like you know, but I'll write. But it isn't that is a beautiful thing about social media because when I was growing up and yeah. I wanted to write to an author, you had to like write to the publisher, or whatever. It's right. immediate. You oh can send gosh. a I note. I follow Judy Bloom because it's yeah. like yeah. I was just I was just looking at the she had, you have forever over oh, here, yeah. and I was like I opened to the right page. I was like, oh, yes, I remember this, <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> but, um, but like if I if I could have reached out and like had a conversation with Judy Bloom when I was ten years old, mm-hmm. that would have like changed my world. Yeah, like, I think it's interesting that your book. It, uh, focuses so much on, mm-hmm. on social media, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Ever on it. exactly. But how much of you is in your book? So, yeah. um, Hello Sunshine, probably the least amount, really? because I, part of my challenge and what I wanted to do with that book was create a character who I found very unlikable okay. um, at the beginning mm-hmm. and see how I could through the course of writing. I don't outline. Um, it's, it's, I always start with sort of a question mm-hmm. at the center of each, each, of each novel that I'm trying to figure out. Um, and this, for this novel, it was I like the idea that you don't become terrible all at once. It happens in very small increments. Yes. <laughs> and so how do you trace yourself back to when you were the person you could have been? Mm-hmm. So that's the question for that book. So, so for me, that sh- I mean, um, she felt very removed from me. My uh, previous novels, I, there are characters that are more like me. My most sort of autobiographical novel is a novel called 800 Grapes, um, which came out, which my book before that, which takes place, it's a uh, sort of a messy family uh, drama that takes place at a vineyard up in Sonoma County. But um, uh, the, the, the main character there is someone I, I very much relate to. So I think it just depends on the, on the book. But for Hello Sunshine, um, she, is, she is someone that I was trying to move toward in the writing. So. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And Robin, yes. your book idea came from your husband. Um, tell, tell the story. Slightly. I, I love this story. So. Um, so I wrote this book called The Idea of You. Yes. I have it here. Um, and it's, uh, it's a story of a woman who is a 39-year-old divorced art dealer here in Los Angeles. And she, um, she owns an art gallery. She has a 12-year-old daughter who's obsessed with this British boy band, and the mother takes the daughter to a concert and meet and greet with the band, and one of the guys in the band falls for the mom, and he's 20. And they embark on this relationship that starts off as kind of a series of trysts in various locations and very quickly becomes a genuine love story, and it affects every aspect of her life in unexpected ways. And um, it started out, I was... uh, (laughs) In the spring of 2014, my husband was away on business, and I was home late, and the kids were sleeping. I was up late watching YouTube, and I came across a music video with a band and a guy in the band who was absolutely stunning and like gorgeous face, but definitely really, really young. And I spent about an hour like googling him and going down this <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> like, what does he like to do on his first date? And realized that he dated younger, wo- older women. Sorry. And was, I was that like, Harry Styles? I'm not saying who it is. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> but I realized he dated. <laughs> he dated older women. I was like, and so that kind of like planted the seed. And my husband came back from his uh, business trip, and I said to him, like, I've found the perfect guy. I'm thinking about leaving you and the kids and running off and finding this guy. But um, he's half my age and he's in a boy band. And my husband said, you're crazy, but that would make a great book. And I kind of thought, oh my gosh. And like, that was exactly what I needed to get me out of the funk of having not sold the last book. Because I thought I would so enjoy this, writing this. I know it really well. I, when I was like, 12, 13 years old, I was obsessed with Duran Duran, so I knew how to write it from the 13-year-old girl's perspective. 
Um, and then I, right out of college, I, I managed a singing group, a girls group with a girlfriend, and we got one of the new kids on the block to produce for us. And so I got to spend time with them when they were kind of like at the height of their fame. And so I knew like the inner machinations of a boy band. Like I'd, I'd been exposed to that world in a way that most people don't know. And, and, um, and I was, you know, turning 40. And so I could kind of like put all these pieces together and write this book. And I just knocked it out really quickly and I really enjoyed it. And it was very um, emotional, I think. You're talking about like what you have in common with mm -hmm, your, mm -hmm. your character. And yes. there, there were some things about getting older that I definitely had in common with my protagonist. But it was, it was very much a, an emotional roller coaster because I allowed myself to really go on this ride with her. And I really fell in love with my, my, all of my characters, but especially the guy, this guy named Hayes Campbell. And uh, <laughs> to the point that I remember um, early on, I was kind of deciding like how he smelled. Like I wanted him to have a very specific fragrance. And I went like trying, like sampling clones in like a department store. And I'm trying all these different smells, whatever. And the woman's helping me. And she said, are, are you buying this for someone in particular? <laughs> and I said, uh, my husband. <laughs> and she looked at me like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm having an affair. And I was like, I am having an affair, but in my head. <laughs> and that's when I realized, like, I'm totally falling in love with this guy. And it was like, and then, you know, the book ended and the, the relationship ended. And it was awful. <laughs> like, I really should have been in therapy, but I was not. <laughs> so I just kind of curl up in the floor of the closet and cry every night for, like, months. You can ask my husband. This is totally true. Um, <laughs> So I think that I did have a lot in common with my character in that way, yes. I, I love that there are so many different nuances and cultures in your book. It's like you dove into the French culture, the British culture, the Jamaican culture. How do you put all that together in one book? Um, I think that's just me. My, my, both my parents were born and raised in Jamaica. Um, my dad is half black, half Chinese, and my mom my mom has always been, to me, black, English, Scottish, and Arawak Indian, which is the indigenous mm -hmm. tribe of Jamaica, which is what we've always heard. But I just got back my 23 and me, <laughs> and we're not Arawak Indian. Oh, wow. It's just more white people. <laughs> so I'm more British than I thought. But I feel like it explains something, because I'm a huge Anglophile. Um, and I've always been a Francophile. So I, and I lived in Paris uh, in, in, when I was in studying in school. And I speak fluent French, and I, like, I'm, I feel very... I'm very enamored of French culture, and so I kind of, I wanted to, that's all just me. I wanted to put it all in there. I think everything I write will always have, like, a little English, a little French, a little Jamaican, I don't know. I, loved, I loved it. I love that there are so many minute little details. The Vivier shoes, you the know. Vivier shoes. <laughs> wow. I mean, just everything. I, I felt like I could visually see the film playing as I was reading it. Thank you. Yeah, and I thought that was really, really cool and unusual in a way because there was so much. It was so rich with so many different cultures and so many different details right. that it really carried the story in a different direction. Well, I think that I'm, I, I'm, for years I kept a journal very, very, I was very dedicated about it in like 20 years or 25 years of my life and I don't as much anymore. But I'd write down everything, and I'd want to remember everything. And I had I pay very specific attention to detail, like everything from her, the color of her sweater to his shoes, so like your glasses, the shape, you know, little things like that, smells, everything kind of feeds me as an actor as well. And it's one of the things that you've learned when you're studying acting. They say things like an actor never forgets, and so you're kind of very aware of like what does lemon taste like, and and what, how does marble feel, and so all those things. I kind of hold in here, and I was able to articulate as I wrote. Yeah, it was very good. I loved how you described him as smelling like mint and lemon. I was like, ooh, I can smell like, with a little bit of sandalwood. <laughs> a little okay, sandalwood. It's very, it's very important to me. Like I feel it like is. It, it, it kind of um, it helps you to build. It helps for the character to come off the page. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, 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 mo the more you can more characters you can imbue them with that feel very specific and tangible make, help to make them real, and real for my readers as well. And how do you think your acting shapes your writing? Um, well, that attention to detail, which yes. I, a specific, I mentioned before, but I also feel like in, in, in theater you have to study 
meter. Like you study Shakespeare, you study, you study David Mamet, and you're always learning about like meter. And so I feel like when I write, I write with meter in mind, and I reread everything out loud. I say everything out loud, and I'm listening to the rhythm of it. So it almost has to feel like poetry to me. And oh, sorry. Um, it has to feel like poetry to me. I, I read everything out loud while I'm writing dialogue, um, but description, everything. So I need I need to feel that rhythm in my writing, and I feel like a lot of that comes from acting. And then I also have an, an affinity for dialogue. Like I I I'm reading scripts. I've been reading scripts for 20 plus years, all the time, and so I know what good dialogue sounds like, and what sounds natural, and what sounds stilted, and I kind of bring that to the page. Wonderful. And Gretchen. Your book, oh my gosh, like I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it's kind of, is it all autobiographical? Is yes, all of, all of it, it. yes. All of it. Um, I mean, that's really all I could write because I'm not a writer. Like you like, write and you write and I'm not a writer. This was my first attempt. So what I could do was just try to convey my story. And that's what I did because, yeah, I wasn't, like you going, oh, what does he smell like? You know, like <laughs> I, like yeah, 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 no, I, I couldn't have attempted that. So I just tried to write, and if I got stuck, I just keep moving on. Like I didn't try to write it in an order because I knew I was going to get stuck. Like if I was going to try to put this in, this is 1967, and then 1970. So I just would write whatever I was thinking, and then when I was able to try to put it in order, then I did, and then I had a writing coach who then completely broke it up and was like, no, this isn't in order, and we're gonna break it up from 1967 to 1990s, so, but yeah, I just tried to write and write and not get stuck because you'll never finish, you know, if you're trying to do something and, and um, do it in an order, and so I didn't try to do that. Mm. No. Were the, was there a certain process, like you thought of an, a, something that happened and you're like, oh, I need to write that down, or maybe going through photographs? Like, what was your, your way of putting it together? Kind of both. Yeah. Um, I really uh, would think about a story, and then I would make notes about, oh, I should write that story, that story. That picture just reminded me of something. So, yeah, that's kind of how I went about it, because if you're not a writer then um, I think it's difficult to try to do what you guys do. And so I just tried to finish the book. And so however I could do that was how I did it. Yeah, and that was just writing. Like any story that I thought of, if I got stuck, I'd move to the next story. And I'm like, okay, I can't finish this one, so I'm going to write this story now. And so I did that. And of course I knew I was going to have editors, so I didn't worry about anything, you know, because I knew they wouldn't let me look stupid. Like, I would <laughs> turn in the manuscript, and they'd go, oh, you're stupid, but we're going to fix this for you. So, yeah, so I try not to worry about that. So, you know, punctuation, wrong tenses, whatever, I just wrote and wrote and wrote, kind of vomited it all out, literally, like, within six months, I had finished most of the manuscript, wow. and then um, uh, it took me a long time to get it sold. Like, three or four years, it's not easy. Like when you're trying to write a book, it is really not easy to get someone to look at it. You know, I had Natalie, who's hosting this tonight, so she was trying to guide me and help me. I ended up getting a New York lit agent and I lost a year there because that's how long it takes for them. You know, they submit your manuscript. It takes about a year for everybody to get back to you. And what they do is they send it up through the line. Like one person will read it. They'll go, oh, I like this. So they'll send it to the next level. So if you're lucky, you'll get to the top. I never made it to the top. <laughs> like I can't wait to print. No, no, like all the no's I got. Um, but yeah, it, it took a year to get back everyone that said no. And then she was able to help me find this amazing book company called Rare Bird. And I am so fortunate to be with them. They're such a great company. So I ended up going with them. Um, but so I lost a year with waiting for everyone to say no to me, which they all did. And then I ended up with this company. And then that took another year and a half before we actually got it out. Because you know, you're in rewrites, and then you have to wait and go through legal. And there's kind of a lot of steps you have to go through. But it, it took a long time. So from start to finish, probably four years from writing it and actually getting it out there. 
What about for you, Robin? What was the start to um, finish? Mine, mine happened really quickly. I started I, I, writing. I'm not surprised, Miss Overton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even surprised you said that at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to finish. I think it took me about 15 months to write the draft that, that got me my agent. I spent three months doing his notes. We sold it within three weeks. Wow. And for you? Um, so the book that I lost, yes. uh, that uh, I rewrote it and um, I, I got an agent um, at a writer's conference um, and um, she, and this is, I do really do think also speaking to what you're saying, it's very important to be your own advocate because she made a list of editors that she wanted to go to and there was an editor that like, you know, if you, ha I think if, whether you're a writer or a reader, you might have a, um, a stack of books on like your bedside table that are your favorites and several of them. Um, I read the acknowledgments and they all had the same editor. And I said, I want you to send it to this editor. And she's like, oh, she's not going to take it. She's the vice president of it. I said, just please add that to your list. And she took it five days later. Wow. So she's wow. the one that bought it. But yeah. if I hadn't advocated for myself, it wouldn't have gone to her. Um, subsequently, she went on sabbatical and I was handed to another <laughs> editor, an orphan. But that's a different part of the story. But um, And then I, um, for my last two novels, I switched publishers. And I went to um, Simon & Schuster, but again, advocated for myself. There was an editor I knew I wanted to work with. And I think also if you're interested in writing or thinking about writing, something that's very useful is in novels that you write, in books that you uh, that you read, that you enjoy, to look in the acknowledgments, look at who helped create that novel, agents, editors, and you know you can keep a list for yourself because if you're drawn to those books, they might be drawn to your book. Um, and I think that was a valuable lesson because otherwise if you are trusting an agent, not that I'm sure your agent did a great job for you, but mm -hmm. you're at the mercy then. And it's really hard when you care so deeply about what you've created to be at the mercy of other people and waiting for them. Yeah, see, I've only written one book, mm -hmm. so I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. You know, I had no expectations. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like, oh, I should advocate for myself. Yeah. I'm just like, holy crap, I hope someone buys this book. You know, I mean, I didn't even think about doing that because I, you know, don't have the experience mm -hmm. that you had. I just wanted to get it out there, yeah. and I wasn't picky about anything. Yeah. Like, I was like, who wants to edit my book? Someone's like, me. I'm like, there you go. Like, yeah, I wasn't at all. Yeah, I was yeah. just so thrilled to have it out there. And yeah. But you've had how many books? Uh, Hello Sunshine is my fifth. Your fifth, and how yeah, many have you had? One, just one. Oh. One published. You are say. such a little show off over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but No, the I others mean, are like failures. I don't want you to let yeah. you know those are ones that have not, so. No, but I, I do think that when you're in the position that you're in, mm -hmm. you, but that's such good advice. Well, like had I known that, I would have maybe thought about looking to see mm -hmm. who might connect with my book, but I didn't even think that way. Like, it's actually yeah. really surprising knowing myself now that I thought that way then because mm -hmm. I, I feel like I was better. I think I was almost naive. I was, I was 20 in my late tw 26, 27. And I, I just like had these ideas in my head. It was almost like naive. Like I'm like, Oh, but I think this editor would like it. <laughs> like I, what did I know? Like it could have easily gone the other way. Yeah. Um, well, with producing yeah. shows, I do that like, yeah. because that's my experience. Yeah. So I don't care about going to someone and uh, just, you know, approaching them yeah. and going, hey, I have this idea. You want to hear it? Because yeah. that I get. But like with yeah. a book, I would have never thought to do that. So starting, you, you came at this from a producer into a writer. How did your production background help with putting together your project? Um, you know what? I... I'm not really sure on that. Okay. I mean, um, I did write a lot about my TV experience, right. but I don't know it was, if it was like on a level where I was conscious, mm -hmm. conscious of mm -hmm. that that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, um, but yeah, I think being a producer is helpful when you're writing a book because I get mm -hmm. how things are supposed to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on a TV show called Gimme My Reality Show, and it was a bunch of D-listers, including myself, like not like upper echelon talent and I knew I couldn't win the show. It was a contest and you had to shoot a show, present it, and then America voted on who they thought did the best show. Well, I don't have an American Idol fan base. I don't have a Baywatch fan base and we had people of that caliber on the show. Even though, again, we were all D-listers. There was no A-listers on the show. And I said to myself, okay, I can't win the show 
but I'm going to give them the best show anyway because I produce shows, so I know my show is going to be the best. And it was, and America voted, and I ended up winning. So, you know, you, you just never know. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was crazy that I, I never in a million years thought I could win. But I have that mind about producing shows and how what people want to watch. And so I kind of tried to write my book with that. Like, what would someone maybe find interesting that has happened to me in my life that they might want to read about? And then that's taking a shot, too, you know, right. because yeah. people could be like, oh, we don't care about you or that or anything. <laughs> it's so, very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. But I just tried to pick things that I thought, if I was reading this book, would I want to read the story? And would I think it was interesting or funny or sad or... So I tried to pick stories that I thought would be entertaining. Like, I see my book. I'm, I'm trying to uh, pitch it as a movie, as sort of a um, Bridget Jones diary, um, uh, like a true Bridget Jones diary and I, Tanya. Like, that is totally the movie. That's funny. Like, no, because That's it great. is. It is totally, if you made my book into a movie, that <laughs> would be so it. Funny. Because the absurd situations that I have had in my life they're just ridiculous, you know? They're Bridget Jonesy, and then they're I, Tanya, and yet it's all true. So, you know, I, I just tried to write from, if I was reading this, would this be a story I would want to read? Right. Yeah. And, and then you, you hope they are. You know, because I didn't know. I had no idea. Do I have a fan base that will buy this book? Do I know people that would be interested in the story? Like, you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of putting it out there, and it's really scary <laughs> because you are putting it out there for people to judge. And you know, some people are going to like it, some people are going to hate it. And like, I'm finding that out now. Like, I had lunch with my daughter the other day. She's like, Mom, everybody hates your book. I'm like, What? And she's like, Let me pull up the. Uh, uh, you have Goodreads? Yeah. Goodreads, yeah. That's, That's not a Goodreads. Nice it's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So she pulled it up. She's like, This person gave it a one. And she said this. I'm like, What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's just something you have to be able to deal with and be prepared with that. Some people are going to like it, and some people are going to hate it. And the people that hate you will write every five minutes how much they hate you. <laughs> yeah. The people that love you and like you probably aren't going to take the time unless you ask them. Like, I'm now on my Facebook constantly, hi, guys, kind of getting killed on Goodreads. Could you guys go over there? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and the other thing is, on Amazon, Somehow they know if you're friends with somebody. Like yeah, a lot of my friends. And so they won't let them post. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. They were like, we tried to write a nice thing, and it said, you know this person, you can't post this uh, yeah. thing. How do right. they know? If you have like They're gifts, let's say, like, let's say you've sent things to that person's home or something like you're that. You're kidding. Like a baby gift. Ten years wow. ago. They wow. can be like, oh, you're friends with her. Big brother. Yes, yeah. yeah. totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't go on Goodreads anymore. Uh, um, I, I my husband sends me yeah. like the best ones. He's like, he'll send yeah. something like, you should read this. So Aww, you should, that's I don't, sweet. I can't look at it. It's yeah, my sweet. daughter wants to point out the bad ones to me. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, look how everyone hates you. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't even know about that till she told me yeah. about Goodreads. But um, yeah, so now I'm trying to counter it with people because you know people are busy. They right. don't have a lot of time in their life, so you kind of have to ask them to help you out, and and they will. You know, like I bet in the last 24 hours, I've had 20 people write nice things because I'm like, you you guys, yeah, I, I do too. You <laughs> yeah. have to ask your, sorry, you have to ask your fans. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be like this beautiful literary masterpiece. Just no, write, like, just give it a five sentences. star. And go, it's great. Exactly. Two thumbs up. Right. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. Emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to take just a, a few moments. I know we're running uh, tight on time, but I'd like to open it up for questions. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Me. Okay. <laughs> so I know there's a lot of marketing students here, and what I wanted to ask each one of you is, oh, what is it that you do to market yourself, your stories, your books? Is there, um, what type of strategy do you take? I know we talked about the fact that you don't want to show too much on social media, but what is it that you're willing to give of yourselves in order to you know, make your work successful? Well, my strategy is really simple. I like bully all my friends in the entertainment business to bully all their friends to put me on anything, you know, as far as like, radio shows, newspaper. I mean, because you really have to do everything you can to make your book a success. It's not easy. Like, I truly thought that because I had a 
big, successful show on VH1. 10 years ago, it's been a while, but I thought, oh, I could call anyone, The View, although they'll be like, yeah, we'd love to have you on. They're like, no, she's not an A-lister. Like, that's pretty much what I'm getting. So you kind of have to do everything you can and pull in all the favors that you can to get it out there. So that's what I do. I just kind of count on all my entertainment friends to help me out because you, you have to. Yeah. How do you make yourself relevant? I probably haven't. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no one seems to care. Um, but no, I, I'm just trying to, like now with Me Too, like anything yeah. you can align your book with where people will identify, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, you know, uh, and, and I think that's really a good idea to try to align with whatever is happening right now. If there's a way you can angle what you're doing to fit somehow and, and do that. I feel like, sorry, what was the question? I feel like um, for me, it's my book has been a very slow build. Uh, and it's been really word of mouth and people who find it and love it and love it and tell their friends and they tell their friends. It's like that old Fabergé Organics commercial from like 1978 that I'm totally aging myself. But um, I really feel like that that's been the best thing for me. And like, and every day there's someone new who shows up in the Facebook group. Like I brought in my friend, Christina, she's crying hysterically. You've got to come and comfort her. And then like everyone like puts in like their little emojis and gifts of like giving hugs and whatever. And like, we're here for you. We loved it too. And it, it just continues to grow. And I kind of, I engage with all of them. I put in updates, what I'm doing, whatever. I found this, this reminded me of this. Oh, I went back to visit this place that was in the book. You might want to see a picture of it, like things like that. Um, my book takes you kind of on this whirlwind tour of like everywhere, and uh, and I tr I so there's a lot of travel. There's a big travel component, and so whenever I travel, I'm uploading pictures, whatever, and and the fans have gone and done their different like idea of you. They, like they'll go to Paris and like I was in this place and I went to I was in London and this is where whatever it is, and then they're they're posting their own pictures of the places that I've mentioned very specific, this restaurant, this hotel, in the book, or like this piece of art. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And so I, I really feel like that's kind of been my, my way of, of, of prolonging it. it it's, it's totally word of mouth and I just keep engaging with them. And I'm always open to answering all their questions. I'm never, because usually they're very kind. They're not. <laughs> Um, something that I've done because I'm, and I think social media is so important now is sort of a general marketing answer, but for those of us that are limited um, in that arena um, <laughs> and our abilities in that arena, um, something that I've done with, uh, and it sort of happens organically, which is I think my novels really, um, uh, so the book clubs have been incredibly welcoming to them. So I've spoken to over at this point, 280 book clubs, 280 book groups. Um, and a lot of them are small. Some of them I do on Skype. Some of them I do in person. But I feel like if you are in an, it's almost the opposite of social media. But if you are in an environment like that and there are 20 people there, there are 50 people there, they become sort of fans for life. Um, and it, it's a sort of a very intimate setting in which to talk about things. So I do a lot of that. Um, and then I also do, um, in terms of marketing, whenever I have a novel come out, that's when um, uh, I write essays for different publications. That helps less now, I think, than it used to, but I'll do it for online publications too. Um, and so you sort of write about something related to the, to the book and then that helps generate um, some excitement. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no one tells you that, by the way, is that when you've got a book coming out and you're not a star, no one just wants to interview you. They want you to, to, to come up with product for their website or the, whatever it is. And so you spend so much time writing about your book or different angles of your book. It's really exhausting. And there's no, I wish someone had told me like, because because now I have it in mind, it's made choosing the next book much more difficult. Because <laughs> I'm like, what do I want to write 70 essays about like three years from now? So just keep that in mind that to promote yourself, you're going to have to write about your book. Yeah, yeah, you do have to create interest. Um, I've been really um, lucky because a lot of the great things that I ended up doing kind of fell in my lap. You know, things where people just found me on Facebook, like Fox News. And uh, they did an article, and then that got picked up in Apple News, and 
Daily Mail UK and The Globe. And so I've just been very fortunate that I've been able to have a lot of things written, but getting on TV shows has been really hard. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, yeah, trying to get out there, unless you're an A-lister, which, you know, again, I keep hearing over and over, she's not an A-lister, which I think is so offensive is that we offensive. have, I know yeah. that we have these levels on humans, exactly. like, you're an A-lister, you're a B-lister, you we can't even talk to. Right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Um, yeah, so when you guys were Louder, please. Okay. You guys were seeking literary agents, and it came to write a book proposal. Um, what I've learned is that, you know, you have to write all the reasons your book is different from a book already published for similar themes. What I've been learning is, you know, literary agents that you specifically tell them, oh, here's this title, this is why it's different. And to me, I just feel like, I mean, that could be 10 years where you could read every title that has a similar theme. Is this for a novel? Or, uh, or, or nonfiction? Oh, yes. For novels? Or a oh, a memoir. I don't know. Um, I don't remember as much. Well. That's you. That's what I did. Um, yeah, you know, I think I just was really lucky that um, I, because I did have a TV show, so I did have people that were willing to look at my material, and then I did try to come up with a name for the book to convey, I wanted it to be funny, so like I tried to come up with the funny name for the book, which ended up being Surviving Agent Orange and Other Things I Learned from Being Thrown Under the Partridge Family Bus, which is... To, I wanted to convey it's a funny book, like it's not a mean book, and also um, I wanted also for people to know, oh, this book is funny, you know, when you pick it up, because I didn't want people to think, oh, this is a mean book, and this is, you know, something that's going to be terrible, but the title is a lot. Like, I think that my um, book company had a lot of success getting people interested in maybe carrying my book, because they thought the title was funny. You know, so the title's really important. It definitely is. I also think anything else really quickly that um, uh, meeting someone in person is always helpful. Um, there are some really great writers conferences in and around LA or some like Sewanee in Tennessee, Breadloaf. And if you go there and you can get some face time with an agent, it's much harder and they're much more inclined, I should say, to want to connect with you mm -hmm. if they're putting, if there's something that makes it personal. So um, whenever possible, as opposed to just sending letters, um, if there's a way to meet someone face to face, that's a very useful tool. For sure, because a lot of people don't take unsolicited mm -hmm. material anyway. Yeah. Right. So like if you just try to send something in without them asking you to, they'll just bounce it back. And yeah, they don't, I mean, even with TV shows, like if you try to write William Morris or any of those people and go, hey, I have a really good idea, and you're just sending it out there, they'll just, they'll block you even. You'll get an email back saying, we do not accept unsolicited material. You are now further blocked from ever contacting mm -hmm. this agency. Wow. So yeah, so you have to be really careful about doing that. Yeah. There's a gentleman, yes, your question. Yes, um, please. <laughs> so writing is something I've always had a really hard time with. So I just admire that you guys have like finished books, let alone selling it and doing all that. Um, so I'm just curious. Something that's always been difficult for me is um, just sort of time management and like figuring out a book is a huge task. How did you guys break that down? Schedule the time for it. What was that writing process like for you? For me, it was discipline, for sure. Like, I just wanted to, every day, like, I would go, I'd sit at the zoo. That's where I wrote a lot of my book. I would sit on a bench by the orangutans, have my glass of wine, my iPad. No, literally, I did. You could bring and wine into the yeah, zoo? Yeah. No, they sell it there. They sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So I would go get my glass of wine, go sit by on the bench, the orangutan exhibit, and I just, every day, Awesome. tried to <laughs> say you have to write a chapter and so I would try to do that as much as I could I mean sometimes I'd get stuck and I'd quit but that's how I wrote it so fast I mean six seven months is pretty fast yes, isn't it yeah. yeah yeah so I just tried to be disciplined about it yeah you have a family card a family card yes to to, I do, to to the <laughs> I do. <laughs> um I mine I was obsessed it was obsession and I wrote around the clock whenever I could and I brought my laptop with me everywhere and I wrote in my car and at Starbucks and Le Pan Quotidien and like 
waiting while my kid was at water polo or my daughter was in ballet or gymnastics or like in waiting rooms at hospital, like in doctor's offices. Like I wrote nonstop for that book. Everything else so far is just kind of like, eh, hmm. I'm not one of those. I'm not, you're probably much more disciplined because she's on her, she's done five novels. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that what you do first thing every day is what you always will do because you make time for it. So I don't turn on, uh, apparently because I'm not on social media, it's not that hard for me not to turn on the internet, but I, I write immediately um, almost upon waking up. I, I have a two-year-old, so now it's a little more challenging, but in theory, um, uh, what I always have done is I write from six to one, and then I'm done for the day. And then, but and if you can't do six to one, when I when I lost my novel and I moved back to New York, and I, I was working 13 jobs that year after I lost that novel, but I didn't take any job that would make me be there before 10. So then it was five to 10, and then I write. But it's whatever hours, and then I think you it doesn't have to be first time, but it ha I think if it's this, you make it as much of a routine as you can, if you can. You sit down same time every day. You sit down in the same place or whatever you find works for you. Two times a week, whatever. I listen to the same song on repeat when I write. Uh, what so song that, is that? I know. <laughs> yeah. well, we need that song. <laughs> and every book it changes depending on the depending on the book. All right, so, which was the last song? For um, uh, for, um, uh, Moonlight Mile was for the was for Hello so Sunshine. One, thing, one song. I had a full on playlist. Yeah, no one song because then also and I stop wherever I stop that day writing and I start again on that next. Because it like meditatively brings me back into where I was. For um, uh, Amos Lee was um, what's been going on was one. My first book was Ryan Adams, um, Call Me on Your Way Back Home, and I met him at a bar shortly after I finished the book. Like he met him, he was sitting at the bar, and I walked up to him and I said, you know, I I listened to your song Five Thousand Eight Hundred, whatever, and he was like. <laughs> that was the closest I've ever come to about to be kicked out of somewhere. Yeah. He's like stalker. Yeah. That's impressive. If you just tell yourself it matters to you in some way, however you can tell yourself that, that's the best thing, I think. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies, so much. This was incredible. It was so much good information, and I love the sharing of, of your journey and your writing and everything. And I just want to remind everyone that their books are available this evening. It is National Reading Group Month, and we are celebrating that this evening. Women's National Book Association, we do lots of events throughout the year. Again, we have a list over here to sign up to find out about more uh, events that we will be planning, such as this and, and, and more. Um, I already said and more. Anyway, <laughs> I just got off a flight before I got here, so pardon me. But, uh, but thank you so much to our authors. Thank you all for coming, and I yeah, hope you thank you guys. Here. Thank you to Spotlight Books. Or, or, You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.